spooky south coast. Tim Weisberg here, flying solo tonight. No science advisor, Matt Moniz. No psychic medium, Stephanie Burke. Just me. Here to talk with you about the paranormal. A little coffee. Not coffee the drink, like coffee like I'm coughing. But great to be back here speaking with you. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. Coming up in a little while, we'll be joined by Linda Haley. She's going to be joining us to talk about her book, Arrival of the Light Beings, How to Prepare for the Shift and Contact with Extraterrestrials. Now, the book itself is a novel, but there's a true story behind the novel. So we're going to get all that information from Linda later on, everything that she knows that she put into this novel, and we'll talk about why it became a novel instead of being a straightforward retelling of her own story. It's a very interesting story how that came to be, so we will find out all about that. Uh, Also, during the show, we can take your calls, 508-996-0500. Please keep them related to the topic, though. Looking at you, Lamone. But it's great to be here talking with you. It's been a few weeks since we've been back here in the Spooky Studio, or since I've been here, since I'm the only one here. Uh, that was because we had to take a couple weeks off. Uh, we had the holiday, and I was doing all kinds of extra different things. Uh, I was helping out my dad with his job for a while, and then I was filling in all this week for Kate Robinson in the WBSM newsroom, so I was getting up super early. But now we're back to normal for a couple of weeks. And then we'll take a break for the holidays because I think it's what Christmas and New Year's Day are both on Saturdays and nobody's going to want to come in for those shows. So we will. Oh, getting a little bit of feedback there. We will take those weeks off. But that's okay because we'll come back in January and be ready to celebrate our 16th anniversary. Hard to believe. But Spooky South Coast has been on the air long enough that if your child was born the same year we went on the air, they're just about ready to learn to drive. They're just about ready to go get their learner's permit. And if you had asked me back then, would we have lasted 16 years? I would have been surprised if we would have lasted 16 weeks. But here we are. And I always say, you know, we're 600 and something episodes into this. I think uh, I could probably get the exact number, but we're, I think it's like in the 640s. And I had wanted to get to 666 this year. Actually, it would have worked out that we would have got there right as the show turned into Halloween night this past October. It didn't work out that way, but that's okay. Because we're still going to get to 666. And I'm going to find us a very dark topic to discuss for that episode. But tonight, it'll be the exact opposite of that. Because tonight, we're going to be talking about the light beings. And uh, I also wanted to let you guys know, yesterday was a rough day. Uh, If you were listening to to my Midnight Society program, I already covered this. But yesterday was tough uh, because... Not only did I lose a, a family member yesterday, but some somebody I hadn't seen in, in a number of years who uh, my, my grandmother's sister, my great aunt, <clears throat> she passed away 
almost exactly a month of the day as her husband did. But also yesterday was the passing of uh, Mike Nesmith. And you know, everybody out there knows how much I love the monkeys. And we had had a guest on my old Saturday morning show, uh, Jody Ritson, who worked with Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolenz. And uh, she was somebody who was really instrumental in launching this new wave of love for the monkeys. And just, you know, Jody, if you're listening, I know sometimes you tune into the show. Uh, we, you know, our thoughts are with you, as they are with all, all the monkeys fans and the Nesmith family. Uh, of course, I've been lucky enough to get friendly with his son, Christian, and, uh, and his wife, Cersei, um, through them coming on my Saturday morning show and then interacting online. And it's just, you know, there's, there's a big community there. So, and I know that some of it crosses over here with the paranormal community. So if you're listening, you know, my, my condolences to you. I was very, very pleased to see the amount of tributes that were pouring in from, you know, certainly the, the websites that we are affiliated with here with Town Square Media, Screen Crush, Ultimate Classic Rock, even Loudwire, which mainly covers, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. They even had an article about Mike Nesmith's passing, but, uh, you know, all the major news outlets were covering it. And I was very pleased to see three different stories, at least three, there might've been more, but I saw three that appeared on rollingstone.com. And that was a little bit bittersweet because I'm glad the magazine and the editors there and the reporters, uh, great, great column, uh, by Rob Sheffield. Rob always writes great stuff. But uh, I was ni- it was nice to see them acknowledging the impact of Mike Nesmith and the Monkees overall. But Jan Wenner, who is the publisher of Rolling Stone, and the guy who basically controls the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, has been keeping the Monkees out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And every time you bring this up to Monkees fans, they say, oh, we don't even want that anymore. It doesn't mean anything if they were to add us in now, you know, if they were to add the monkeys in now, it wouldn't mean anything to us. But hopefully now that they have wrapped up their career, because, uh, you know, just last month they finished up the farewell tour or the show at the Greek out in L.A. Maybe now they'll get some consideration because they were a huge selling band. They worked with the best songwriters of the era, some of the best musicians of the era. I mean, Carole King, (coughs) excuse me, Carole King and Jerry Goffin were writing songs for them. Neil Diamond was writing songs for them. Glenn Campbell was playing on some of their records. Uh, Boyce and Hart, who, you know, just wrote some of the greatest pop songs of all time. They had the pedigree going and the whole idea of them not being a real band I never got that rationale as to why they couldn't be put into the to the rock hall. Because if you want to look at it that way, <clears throat> there are a lot of singing groups that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that weren't real bands. Any of those, those 1950s, <clears throat> excuse me, doo-wop groups, they weren't playing their own instruments. They were just singing on the track. There's been a number of vocalists who are just singing, and they're not playing on the track. So I never understood that rationale. 
they made records, they sold records, they influenced people with their records, and they had a lasting impact on the music industry. So the not a real band argument has to be put to rest forever. And by the way, they only put out two albums where they didn't play their own instruments. By the third album, they were playing their own instruments. So on headquarters and from then on, they played their own instruments and they went on tour and they played concerts. So that argument is garbage. But that's my soapbox moment because I have your ear and I can tell you how I feel. I know petitions have been started in the past. They've gone nowhere. There's a lot of great bands that should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that aren't. And most of the time, it's political reasons. Political as in between Rolling Stone and the band or Jan Wenner and the band. But it's time to kind of put all that stuff aside. Anyway... Also, maybe you've seen the new Ghostbusters film, uh, and, and I don't want to rehash all the controversy that happened in 2016. You know, we talked about it here on this program, where people were crapping all over the 2016 Ghostbusters because it was an all-female cast. Now, I've never crapped on the film because it's an all-female cast. I don't care about that. I crapped about, on that film for two reasons. One... It wasn't funny. I just didn't, I didn't find it funny. And then two, I mean, I didn't even find it to be a good movie, really. And then two, it ignored the Ghostbusters legacy. And to me, a movie, that if it was any other movie that did that, that didn't acknowledge what had come before it, whether it had an all-female cast or not, people would have been against it. But because it was an all-female cast, they felt, well, we can't criticize it. But anyway, all that controversy aside, they announced that Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming out. It's a direct sequel to the first two films. It ignores the 2016 movie, and it had to, because that was a completely different continuity. And people are upset about that now. Like, oh, well, how did you want that to work? But I've seen a lot of stuff written about this film. About it being fan service to all the, you know, disgruntled middle-aged white men that didn't like the 2016 movie. And I've seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. And it's a wonderful film. And it's a wonderful continuation of those first two films. But it doesn't deserve a takedown like that. The same reason that 2016 didn't deserve a takedown because of the fact that it was an all-female cast. But some of the articles that I've been reading about it are just total garbage takes. So if you've been reading those articles and you've been hedging about whether or not you want to go see it, don't worry about what other people are saying. Well, worry about what I'm saying because you trust me, right? Go see it. It is a wonderful family film. Uh, if I had a complaint, it would almost be that it's too much of a family film. I mean, the original films had some crass humor in them, and I like that. 
But I also understand, you know, they're trying to bring in this younger generation of fans in addition to those who, you know, grew up loving Ghostbusters. So, and also what people don't realize is as much as the first two movies still remain popular with a younger generation, they've also rediscovered the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which was definitely made for kids. And so that has an influence on where the franchise has to go in the future. So I think that's why some of that mentality came into afterlife to, to, to make it more for the people who would have still been enjoying that cartoon today. But go and see it. You'll love it. Uh, there's, I don't want to give any spoilers to it, but bring, bring Kleenex or at least grab some napkins at the concession stand because you're going to need them. And if you have a review of the film that you want to send to me, send it on over Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Maybe we can read them in a future edition of the show after everybody's kind of had a chance to see the film because I don't want to, I don't want to put any spoilers out there. But if, you know, it's holiday time, I used to, it was tradition in my family that on Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would always go out to the movies. And so I know people are probably looking for films to go out and take the whole family to see. This is one of those, and you don't even need to have seen the first two to be able to, to enjoy them. In fact, it probably could have used a little bit more of an influence of, of the older cast, but it works. It works the way that it is. So go ahead and go and check that out uh, if you are so inclined. And uh, and again, let me know what you think about it. And here it is, 2021, and <laughs> my Christmas list is a bunch of Ghostbusters toys, just like it was the mid to late 80s all over again. And I still have a little Ecto-1 Matchbox car. I still have, I think I have a Ray Stans figure still. Uh, I never went out and bought the new figures that came out over the years, but I used to collect the, the ones from when I was a kid. We had the uh, proton pack with the little plastic neutron, neutron wand that would come out uh, and then it had the stream, the plastic stream that broke off years ago. But that's still kicking around somewhere. <clears throat> oh, this is very hot microphone. And I also have still a Ghostbusters costume that has an inflatable proton pack. And I thought about wearing it to the show. When I went to go see the movie, I thought about wearing it. Because I knew that it was not going to be a very filled theater and it would make the... 20 or so people that were there laugh, but I'm, I'm glad that I didn't because it's harder to hide and cry in a movie if you're in a costume. But again, send me what you thought about it, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we will be able to discuss that. Uh, also, one other thing I want to let you know about really quickly. Uh, every year now for my birthday, I have done a fundraiser on Facebook through the, you know, that fundraising option that they have where you can have people donate for a cause for your birthday. And for the past few years, I've done it for the Wareham Historical Society, which 
runs the Fearing Tavern and other historical buildings uh, in downtown Wareham. But the Fearing Tavern, of course, being from 1690 and a place that we've had the chance to investigate on numerous occasions. So normally I start my birthday fundraiser the week of or even the week before. The first year I had hoped to raise $300 and we did. The second year I had hoped to raise $500 and we ended up raising $750. So this year I started that birthday fundraiser uh, about a month out. Actually exactly a month out on December 4th. And we're looking to raise $1,000 with that. So if you want to donate to that, you can find me on Facebook and see the link to that. And that's the only that's the only mention I'll mention of that because I don't want to, you know, there's a lot of great causes going on. A lot of great causes that we're promoting here on uh, you know, WBSM and Fund 107, of course. We have our mini miracle still ongoing here at WBSM, which you can check out at WBSM.com. They just wrapped up a hugely successful holiday wish week on Fund 107. So, you know, I don't want to take away from those, but I just want to get that word out there because it's been tough this year. You know, so, well, actually, since the beginning of 2020, it's been tough for local historical societies and heritage museums and things like that. Because not only have they struggled because they were some of the last places to be allowed to open in this state. So they, they really missed out on a lot of potential business. In fact, I believe it was not until last fall, fall of 2020, that they were able to start opening up again. So they really missed on that whole summer tourist season. But then the other part of it is most of those heritage museums and historical societies are staffed by older folks who may not have been healthy enough to come back out during the pandemic or may, might have been cautious about coming back out and weren't going out there and volunteering their time as much as they could have, which impacted fundraising <clears throat> for these uh, local groups. So, you know, any, anything that we can do to help, we're happy to do so. Uh, because not only is it the paranormal side of things, you know, they let us go and investigate for ghosts all the time. It's also a matter of we want to keep that history alive. And that's something that we are very adamant about here with Spooky South Coast for sure. Uh, but even WBSM overall, you know, all the hosts here are huge history buffs. You know, Barry Richard is one of the biggest Ben Franklin fans you'll ever meet. Uh, and he is uh, he has gone all over. Uh, you know, he loves to go to any place with historical significance. You know, all the great stuff Phil does and Chris and and Brian and everybody. We, we all care a lot about history. Uh, so, you know, it just it's a natural fit for Spooky South Coast to want to keep the history alive around us as well. All right. Well, <coughs> excuse me. I don't, I, I've been fine all day. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm having trouble and coughing. I'm going to take a quick sip of water. That's the problem when your co-hosts both call out is... There's nobody to cover for you while you're taking a sip of water. All right, let's get right into it now with our guest tonight. Linda Haley is the founder and executive director of the Reiki Center, a comprehensive natural wellness center for people and their pets based in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, I'm not even going to get into all of her bio here because I want her to tell that story to you. So let's bring her on the air. Good evening, Linda. How are you? I am really great, Tim. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Welcome to Spooky South Coast, and uh, and I uh, hope yeah. that uh, hope that you're having a great evening so far. Because I think we're gonna really, if people out there are having a bad night, I think they're gonna have a total change in perspective after they hear your story. 
You know, I was interested, you were talking about historical societies, and my last job was to coordinate a historical society in a community center that was in a 200-year-old building. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, the stories from that building that I had to hide because the community wouldn't have come in. We had Girl Scout troops that were spending the night. They wouldn't have done it if they knew what was really going on. So, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Well, I mean, and I think you can't really have history without having the hauntings, too. Uh, you know, even if a place doesn't have a lot of activity, it doesn't mean that it that there isn't some sort of presence there. Well, you know, I have some pretty strong feelings of that because I do a lot of releasing trapped spirits, earthbounds, and primarily I do it out of people. And, you know, in the most extreme parts, we call them exorcisms, but for the most part, they're spirit attachments, and they're just lonely and don't feel like they're good enough to go on anyplace else, and I'm sad and depressed. Why would anybody on the other side want me to be around? So they stay around. And so most of what we call earthbounds or ghosts, uh, for the most part, they just don't feel like they're worthy to move into something that supposedly only the best people can go to. Whether you call it Bardo, Heaven, the other side, or whatever. And then... You know, at the very extreme, they do come into us, and that's what's called spirit attachments. And I do quite a lot of releasing spirit attachments these days. Well, there's more and more coming out. Yeah, I think that there's probably uh, there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One might be you know something you know you know kind of a, a bigger question that we'll get into as we as we discuss all the topics tonight, and that that's this the shift that's that's either. Going to happen, or really, I think, has already kind of started to happening. Happening, but also, I think there's a little bit of the fact that people are more comfortable with the paranormal now than they've ever been, and as part of that, I think they're also somewhat reckless with the paranormal. So they're they're going, but they're putting themselves in these situations where they can get these attachments, and they're not taking the possibility of that seriously. Oh, uh, you know, I see people all the time who want to come in and learn how to do astral projection. And I say, why do you want to do that? Well, because I think it'd be kind of fun to kind of run into somebody's bedroom and scare them. It's like, you know, I'm not going to teach you how to do that. And, and I agree. I think there are people who just do not understand the ethics of some of the things that are going on. I mean, I've listened to some of the other podcasts. We were talking about people who pretend to have haunted houses, but it's actually some high-tech, you know, stuff going on in the background. You can find it everywhere. Wait, hold on. Let, let's let's dive into that a little bit. So, what do you, what do you mean by that? So, it's it's something that they're that they're mistakenly thinking as a haunting, or it's something that they're that's that's being hoaxed. Oh, there's there are a lot of people who hoax for money. You had somebody in a while ago, you know, who is from the Weekend Weird, Greg Newkirk. He's he's brilliant, talking about just the different ways that people are able to create a hoax for money. Um, it's no different with people who are intuitives and psychics and people who, you know, on all sides of the equation. Some of them are extraordinary and some of them are highly reputable. But there are some who know how to play people and tell them what they want to hear. So I think, I think everybody should be a little cautious in who you uh, depend on for information. Hmm. Well, I can tell you this much, you know, here on this show and, and on my other show, we always try to vet people as much as we can. But sometimes when people are, you know, sharing stories, uh, they can sound unbelievable because, you know, you start to think to yourself, wow, how can one person have so much paranormal stuff happen to them? But 
but that actually does happen. There are people that go through intense amounts of paranormal encounters, yourself being one of them. Oh, I agree. I agree. And no, when Greg was talking about it, he was highly credible. He was, you know, incensed at the people who would do it, the tomfoolery. So that's kind of what I do, too. I'm trying to try to debunk some things and try to help people understand to use discernment. And um, I think enough people are starting to get wise to, wait a minute, I have to think about what somebody is saying. Does it make sense? Is this somebody I want to follow? I think people should probably do it a little bit more. I, I do think that there has always been, you know, activity happening to people uh, and that people have not always understood what it was that was going on. But also, it's only really been the last, uh, I don't know, 20 years, we could almost call it now, where people have actually looked at, you know, and I, I don't mean, I mean, there's always been researchers who have looked at it this way, but I just mean the general public is starting to look at things through a rational lens where they're no longer um, just having fear associated with these experiences and having that fear wipe their mind out from being able to, to rationally look at what's going on. And I think that the more people are, are kind of looking at things analytically, even in the moment of being scared or, or being excited or having the adrenaline rush or what have you, but they are able to put that analytical lens on it. And so I think people are getting some degree of that discernment where they can say, okay, I'm really just freaking out, but it's probably just this. Or, you know, even if it is something that's paranormal, it doesn't seem to be necessarily bad or evil or or trying to harm me in any way so we are getting some natural sense of discernment and some natural sense of 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 being able to look at things more logically no oh, and thank goodness for that you know we have been so motivated by fear you know since you know the 1950s when those horrible movies came out you know an attack from mars and you know, all sorts of things that they look like cardboard robots, they were designed to promote fear. And so that's the reason this whole book came out is because, you know, the time has come that we need to realize that all the things that we've been told, including Hollywood, that says, you know, they're coming and, oh, my God, they're going to eat us. They're going to dominate us. They're going to control us. They're going to steal our babies. You know, no, there may be some like that, but not all of them. And I think for the most part, there are an awful lot of people who are having positive encounters with beings from other places, multidimensionals. And I think it's important for people to realize that not everything that you hear should be fear-based. But also, you do have to have your guard up because you don't necessarily know. I mean, it's not its not like there's a, a, a field guide necessarily to which, you know, actually, well, I'm sure somebody's written them. But, you know, it's not like it's common knowledge for people to know what what species of extraterrestrial or, or multidimensional being that they're dealing with and, and what their intentions would be. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. And, you know, we talk about people going into this. We're in this period of polarity, whether you call it the shift, ascension, whatever. But if there's a concept of people are starting to split into different camps. And sometimes we say good, evil. And I don't believe that. I think it's more people who are in more service to others and people who are more in service to themselves. So I think part of what we need to do is just teach people just to be, you know, more uh, protective because you do have a private space. Be really protective and try to figure out what do you believe, not what does everybody else believe. 
And and really, you know, when we have people like yourself on who have had these positive experiences, um, it does kind of shape the way that you look at the people who have had the negative ones. Uh, you know, I, I talked, I've talked a couple of times with uh, Lester Velez, who has been chronicling the experiences that people have had for years now and, and doing a really comprehensive study. And he, he's come to the realization that the, the negative encounters are usually the first time encounters. And that is people have repeated experiences with these beings and it starts to shift their, their, their understanding of it. And then they realize, okay, it's not this terrifying, terrible experience. It was just different to me. So that's how I processed it. Yeah. No, and I understand that. And, you know, in many cases, they're not much different than human beings. You know, we have the full gamut of people who are, you know, saintly and people who are on the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, if these are our cosmic cousins, then they really probably run the same gamut. I mean, it, it certainly makes sense to, to think that, but also you would want to think that if they're, you know, selecting beings that would be coming here as representatives of them, that they, they'd want to make sure that they're sending, you know, the best of their best. Well, I think part of the book was written as though they're still going to come, but you know, in reality, they're already here. There are people who are talking about how they're walking the halls of the Pentagon, the people who are talking about that, you know, they are hybrids or they um, are not fully human. And so they're kind of embedded into our society. And I like to think that they're very gently guiding maybe individuals, maybe society, you know, totality to perhaps a, a little more um, compassionate and enlightened state. So uh, obviously time is going to tell on that one. Yeah, but still, I mean, we can kind of, we can get some sense of what it is they're looking for based on these initial encounters that, that people are having and the information that we're getting. But I've often wondered, and, and you know, you've what we're going to get into your personal experiences and how they, how they shape this book, but I've often wondered why, if they are here for good reasons, why they just don't tell everybody that all at once. You know, why isn't there just a grand unveiling and, and you know, call a press conference and, and have all of the different, you know, news outlets of the world report that you are here and that you are here for a benevolent purpose? Well, probably because in the 1930s, there was a radio show, War of the Worlds, and people jumped out of windows, even though they kept saying this is just, you know, a radio show. This is fiction. So they don't want to hurt people. They don't want to terrify people. So, yeah, I would like to tell you more about that because I think that there are some very good reasons for why it probably might not be safe for them to, you know, come out. Well, it does seem like they're, you know, operating in the shadows to, to some degree. I totally agree. And, you know, I suspect that there are so many people who probably, you know, would not like the idea of uh, humans having a relationship at all with somebody who's an off-world being that, you know, I would worry for the being's safety. Well, also, as I'm, you know, as we're discussing this, I'm thinking back in my head about how I phrased the question. And the way that I phrased the question is a very earth 
outbound person centric view of it where you know we have some kind of expectation as if we have to have some grand announcement of them saying that they're here you know just the first encounter might have been enough first contact might have been enough and they they could be thinking hey we've already told you that we're here it's not our fault that that information isn't more widely known oh sure all you have to do is go back to ancient art and petroglyphs and legends from each one of the indigenous tribes you know all of the people who do have long stories of connecting to the star people all have stories that they were walked among us and they'll return well guess what i think this is the time that they are returning yeah, we put the stigma on it. We we created that stigma by mainly through religion by saying, you know, you can't you can't uh, acknowledge these beings as existing because you know they 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 shouldn't be coming here and telling you, you know, we should be getting the information from God, not from other other beings from other places. And then, you know, then the the age of reason comes in where, you know, you're not supposed to believe in space aliens at all. So, it starts to turn into a matter of, you know, we we talked ourselves out of what was probably right in our face at one point. Oh, I agree completely. And, you know, who's to say if all these beings are not, you know, ambassadors from God? You know, I think it's just a matter of getting to know, you know, what are their purposes? What are their expectations? And are they here to help or do they have their own agenda? So that's why it's important to not set up an immediate um, impression, not to, to take away a label. And so that's, that's kind of what I, I hope people are moving towards. And I'm, I'm hoping that people listening tonight will keep that in mind as they're hearing this to, you know, kind of forget everything that you've heard about these, you know, terrifying ordeals and encounters and, you know, these horror movies that you've seen and, and look at it through a, a different set of eyes. And I, th- I think that we are actually reaching the point where we're becoming more comfortable with the idea of, of at least the concept that there could be something out there because if you look at the way things have been going lately with the uh, the, the uh, Department of Defense, you know, revealing the information that they know and, they, they, you know, putting out that, first of all, that preliminary report that we got uh, that, you know, at least acknowledge that there are things that have been in the sky that we can't explain. And instead of being this earth-shattering news that's going to, you know, send all the masses, you know, screaming and hiding in their homes. Instead of, it's been more of a, a reaction of, yeah, you know, tell us something else we don't know, you know? like it's a, No it, it, we We've definitely yeah. taken it much better than I would have expected that, you know, mankind would have taken it. Well, don't you think it's interesting on Thursday, you know, two senators announced that they were going to create a task force for unidentified area phenomena, UAPs, And they put it under the military budget. And so this is a um, Chris Gilbrand and um, Senator Marco Rubio have put together this anomaly task force. And they're doing it from the perspective of science. But this is, take the concept of Project Blue Book and now bring it out of the shadows and saying, okay, this is going to be part of the Senate Armed Services Committee. And we want to know. And we do not want you to sugarcoat it. We want you to collect and analyze all the data and develop a plan to really come up with what this is. So I'm fascinated by watching what's going on in the intelligence community. I agree. The military, the Pentagon releasing those three videos a while ago, good for them. Of course, they almost couldn't you know, hold back anymore because too many of the astronauts and pilots were saying, I'm not going to keep this a secret anymore. 
true. I'm going to tell people. But the public reaction has been what's the most impressive to me because, you know, instead of like, you know, maybe 50 years ago, people would have been up in arms being like, well, what are you wasting taxpayer dollars on this for? Instead, a lot of the reaction has been like, thank you. Thank you for finally acknowledging that this is worth looking into. And people are coming at that from all different kinds of, kinds of perspectives. Not everybody who is happy to see this, you know, research being done and this funding being given, not everybody is thinking that these are, you know, beings from other planets, but they just want an answer to the question of why are we seeing these things in the sky and what does it mean? And I think everybody should be a little curious about that. I'm not saying worried, but you definitely should be curious about it because so many people, millions of people have seen things in the sky. Aren't you curious for what it is, you know, that it can move at, you know, incredibly fast pace. It can turn on a dime. It can disappear. It can multiply. Yeah, I'd be wanting to know what it is, too. And the, the yeah. Well, yeah, and then it, the the other questions will come into play once we actually figure out what it is you know if we have a definitive answer then we're going to have you know then we're going to be staring something down that we have to make decisions about and about how far we're willing to believe but for right now let's just try to solve the mystery of what is happening and and also it's a, it's erasing that stigma from people who have seen things and have always been reluctant to report it. Now it's almost like people are keeping their eyes on the skies more than ever. And when they do see something, they're not afraid to come forward with it. I love it. This is the day I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. And I think we're getting really close to disclosure. Very close. But is it, so. is it disclosure because... Um, you know, the, the hand is being forced in that regard, or is it because this is, this is where we had to get to for it to happen more naturally? If we had been told everything that was possible to know, you know, back in 1947, I, I don't think we could have handled it as well as we can now. And I agree with that. But it's also interesting that supposedly the United States is the only industrialized nation that hasn't released all of their UFO files. You know, Canada, all the others have been extremely open in everything. And they're the ones that are, if there's pressure, it's probably from all of the, you know, defense ministers of the other countries. You know, because there's some of the ways that they've been pressuring their own governments and other governments are fairly legendary. Paul Hellyer out of Canada, and he is constantly on the news for we need to make sure that the United States is coming clean with some of the things that it knows because Canada has already told everything. I mean, we have had poli we've had politicians here that have tried to push for it, but then you know that that push as soon as it became unpopular. You know, you had people backing away from it. Now that it's, you know, more in the zeitgeist, I think, you know, somebody like, well, Marco Rubio, uh, you know, his, he's been very upfront about it. And, you know, he has no fear of never being reelected because of his stance on, on UFOs. Well, you know, 50 years ago, that would have been a completely different thing. You would have been laughed out of Congress and you, your career would have been over. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But I also think that, you know, the people who are now voting, the 20, 30-year-old, they have a very different view of the world. You know, they're, they're not so exclusionary. They're not putting a moat around the United States. They want to see some kind of a, you know, a, um, a connection, you know, relationships. And so they just don't see it as being that big of a deal 
to address the issue. I think part of it yeah. might also be too that we're I mean we're seeing things more on a global scale uh, that are that, that cause concern for our species going forward. You know, we look yeah. at things like climate change. We look at things like even, you know, with the, the COVID pandemic, uh, we see all of these things that start to make us realize, like, we are very vulnerable. Uh, but also, some of these things are, if you believe in signs and wonders, some of these things could be exactly that. You know what? I've got, I've been actually in contact with some of the beings who are coming in. And they've actually given me um, seven different reasons for why they're coming in right now. So if, if that's something that you think you might be interested in, I think that uh, the reasons that they provided are incredibly valid. Oh, I, I think we should absolutely dive into that. Uh, we, we only have about five minutes before the news break. I don't know if we can cover them all in that time. Um, oh. But, Let me give you one. Okay. Can I give you one? Yeah, and then we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into the rest of them, uh, you know, throughout the show. Okay. So, in 1945, when we exploded two atomic bombs, most people don't realize we didn't just destroy two cities. We destroyed dimensions. So, we know we're in the third dimension. We're moving to the fifth, which is moving from a 3D to a heart-centered kind of comp you know, comprehension. But then there's many more dimensions beyond that, and there are beings who live in the dimensions. Just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they're not there. And so when we had the technology to be able to destroy civilizations that we perhaps didn't see, uh, at that point, it was like an SOS that went out. And it was like, wait a minute, now Big Brother has to step in because you were a free will planet for all this time until you had the ability to be able to destroy yourselves and destroy a lot of other beings that were, you know, completely caught up in the crossfire. So that's one of the reasons why, yes, they were around 5,000 years ago, but for the most part, they pretty much put their hands off for that, you know, long period of time. But in 1947, that's when they all started to come back. And that's when we started to see them. And what they are saying is that you called us back. We thought that we could trust you to run your own planet without hurting anybody. But now you have to realize that, you know, what, what happened with your actions uh, will not be allowed to continue. That's why they're seen all around the military sites. That's why they're around the nuclear sites and they can power down nuclear reactors. Yeah. They're, they absolutely are trying to get us to avoid obliterating our own Earth. And, you know, and there are some who have speculated that some of the beings that people are encountering could actually be not interdimensional travelers or uh, intergalactic travelers, but could be time travelers. That they could be, you know, versions of us from the future that are trying to stop us from creating whatever, you know, cataclysmic event leads to them being the way that they are in their time. Oh, and you know, I do believe that because, I mean, if, if you do believe, and Einstein talked about that a long time ago, past, present, and future happens, you know, simultaneously. People talking about wormholes, how easy it is to move from one part of a universe to another, including time. It makes perfect sense that somebody could come back from the future and trying to stop 
you know, perhaps something that is not reversible that we may possibly do or cause. I mean, it's not like we haven't been trying. <laughs> There's certainly been plenty of things that we've probably messed around with that we shouldn't. Um, but at the, at the same time, you know, we've had huge advancements over the last, you know, uh, 80 years or so, maybe, maybe the last 100 years, you could even say. And we are... It is happening rapidly, and I'm, I'm not going to ascribe everything to the extraterrestrials as some people do. But if you're if you're an outside observer and you're looking at this and looking at how much we have progressed in this time, you're saying, "All right, they are they are going fast." And when you go fast, sometimes you go reckless. So you would need somebody to kind of keep an eye out on on you and make sure that you know just because you can doesn't mean that you should. I heard somebody say a while ago, in 1903 was when the Wright brothers. Mm -hmm. first uh, took off from Kitty Hawk. 66 years later, we're walking on the moon. If that doesn't say something, you know, that is a phenomenal leap forward. In 66 years, we've gone from the very first time that humans left the planet, and yes, it was a, you know, it looked like it was made pickup sticks, but it worked. And then 66 years later, we're walking on the moon. Wow. Yeah, That's just, pretty stunning. I'm just trying to think of, like, where, where would we go in the next 66 from here, you know? Like, it, it's hard to imagine um, if, if we progress that quickly, you know, where we can go in the future. So, yeah, we would definitely need somebody to, to just keep an eye on us, just to keep us safe. But we are up against the news break here, so why don't we take that? When we come back on the other side, we can talk about the other six reasons that, that they're coming here. I also want to get your background and, and how it came to be that you decided to write this novel. And then, of course, we'll talk about the novel itself and what it's all about. During the discussion, if you have any questions that you would like to submit uh, for me to ask of our guest tonight, Linda Haley, all you have to do is email me, Tim at midnight, Tim, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com or Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can call in, 508-996-0500, and we'll be able to take your calls uh, throughout the program. But we've got a lot to cover, and we're going to try and get through as much of it as we can. But if we can't get to it all, of course, you can just pick up the novel, and uh, that is available. All you have to do to get that is go to Linda's website, lindahaley.net, and we will talk with her a little bit later about some of the other ways you can get it, too. Back with more in just a bit. back next week uh, and again a reminder we'll have a show next week and then we'll be off for christmas and new year's uh i think think i have enough weeks there 
let me look on the calendar here really fast. And yeah, this week is the 11th next week. Yeah. So that'll happen. Uh, and then we'll, you know, we'll be back in January with a full slate of shows and our, our, or at least hopefully that's the plan. And also our 16th anniversary. So on January 26th, 2006, that's when this show first went on the air. And we want to thank all of you for supporting us. Some of you have been there since the very first week. And you tune in each week to see, you know, they're going to be there. They're not going to be there. And you know, listen to all of our podcasts and all of that. We thank you so much for all of the support over the years. And uh, hopefully we've been contributing to this positive shift that seems to be happening that we're talking about tonight with our guest, Linda Haley. She's the author of the new book, Arrival of the Light Beings, How to Prepare for the Shift and Contact with Extraterrestrials. And uh, we're going to continue talking about uh, some of her experiences. And I, I do want to get, Linda, into your you know, your full kind of background and, and, and life experiences. But before we get into that, let's get back into these reasons why now is the time that these light beings are, are starting to visit us and, and, and why they need to help us through this period. Sure. Well, I really do believe that they're here to help. You know, the ones that are here that are coming in now are the ones that are trying to help humans. And there's a very fragile balance in our solar system. You know, Everything is in perfect alignment and gravity and, you know, the rotation holds all the planets in a certain location. If we were to completely obliterate Earth, think about what would happen. It'd be like a, a mobile that suddenly you've taken away one of the, the key features of the mobile. It would throw everything out of rotation. And that fragile balance is going to impact not just our solar system, but what about the ones that bump up against it? The other thing is artificial intelligence. I agree with you that some of them are coming back from the future or coming from other cultures that at one point decided to turn uh, their consciousness over to AI. And what, they're, what we're hearing is that many of them have a regret they don't remember what emotions are like. They don't remember what it's like to not have a hive mentality. And so they're back here to try to warn us. You know, we were once like you. We once flirted with the idea of connecting our brain to a supercomputer. But once you do that, you give up everything that qualifies as human. So you pretty much lose your humanity when you are connected to a computer that coordinates all of your life decisions. Uh, looking at everything that we're doing on our planet, there's a belief that one day Earth is not going to be able to support life because what we're doing to the air, the soil, the water, you know, at some point um, we're not going to be able to grow crops anymore. Weather patterns are going to be changing. We can already see over the course of just a couple days uh, off of Washington State, there were like 40 or 50 earthquakes. You know, there's, you know, Yellowstone's a super volcano. Look what's happening to volcanoes all over the world. And so at one point, Earth will not be able to support life. And so they can see, you know, and if they are coming from the future, they would know this. So there's also a warning to us. Um, the one thing that is the only thing that is truly eternal in the entire universe is your soul. That spark that, for whatever reason, 
you know, gives us this individuality, gives us a connection to whatever we perceive our source to be. And planets can disappear, you know, asteroid belt stars, they can burn out. But your soul is always, if you believe the spiritual definition of it, your soul is always eternal. So many people don't realize what a valuable commodity that is. And so there's a certain belief. That's one of the reasons why there's such an increase in spirituality. That's where meaning and purpose is, which is definitely your soul. And then there's a belief that this is something, there's like 35 different um, cultures that have predicted that there would be a period of time that Earth would go through a major recalibration. And it's a period of spiritual transformation, and we move to this higher level of awareness. And that's one of the reasons people talk about moving from 3D to 5D. So there's a belief that they're coming in because they want to see it, because perhaps they were part of the beginning of Earth. Earth is often called the great experiment. Maybe they want to see what is, you know, what's going to be happening. And then the final thing is we can't stop what's going to happen. You know, this is... This is something that um, the energy has already moved beyond the tipping point. And so we can't stop the shift that's going to be happening. And whether you call it the shift, ascension, whatever you call it, but there is going to be a massive transformation. And so the only thing we can do is to prepare your heart. That's one of the reasons why so many people are being encouraged to look at heart-centered activities. You know, because those who are the best prepared emotionally and spiritually will be the ones that will be able to move a little bit easier into the transition. There's a lot that's happening right now, and it's not just happening in our country, not just happening on our planet. You know, everything is going through a major shift right now, and if you understand it and move with it, it will be a lot easier than if you're trying to swim upstream. So... So and I think a lot of folks are listening to this right now and they're hearing everything that you're saying and it makes total sense. But at the same time, they're also saying, well, where is she getting all of this from? Where is she getting this information from? And we mentioned that the book that we're discussing tonight, it is a novel, but at the same time, it's coming about from actual real experiences that you've had and where you've been able to gather this information from. Yeah, the book is written as a fiction, but... 99% of what's in the book actually did happen to me. So I am a Reiki practitioner. I run a large wellness center in Columbus, Ohio. And one of my clients on my Reiki table, about 10, 15 years ago, all of a sudden slipped into a deep trance and somebody else came through him. And I thought that he was talking in his sleep or something. But he started saying that his name was Avatar from the fifth dimension. I did not believe it at all. It took me a very long time. And this gentleman came through to see me many, many times. And eventually, I, uh, I got him to believe that this was really happening. And mostly because I started videotaping each one of these sessions. And so I've got probably hundreds of hours of videotapes of this fifth dimensional being coming in. And so a lot of wisdom has been coming through him. And you can say it's a channel, but I wasn't the one channeling him. This you know, individual who was asleep on my table was speaking. 
And then gradually, many, many other people started to also get information from this fifth dimensional being. And then more and more people were getting similar um, pieces of advice and wisdom from other beings coming in. So there are an awful lot of people who have the ability to be able to connect to sources of information from beings that perhaps are not uh, visible to us in our 3D world. Mm. And they're coming in because they're trying to help. So, so just, just you know, give us kind of just some examples of the way that you've had these interactions and, 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 how, and how it came to be that it went from being, you know, the kind of experience that most people have is one where they don't really get a lot of information, but you're able to actually, you know, get information. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, in fact, uh, we've expanded uh, the information from just this one individual to other individuals who I really do trust. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about discernment. Um, I'm fairly skeptical and you really have to work hard to convince me that, you know, you are um, completely credible. So the fact that I really do believe the information coming in, um, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to trust it completely. And the information coming in is basically saying that humans are at a tipping point and we really need to help you to prepare for what's going to be happening. And whatever you call it, you know, I call it the shift because that seems like it takes away the, the religious connotation. But the shift is something that is happening, not just on a personal level. I mean, personally, there are a lot of people who started to question things. They have these odd physical, you know, diagnoses, things, aches and pains that won't show up on a, you know, a, a CAT scan or lab work. Um, they're becoming more compassionate. They're interested in intuition. They're interested in things that are kind of maybe holistic things. But it also shows there's a lot of challenges in relationships and career choices. A lot of people are like, I'm just quitting. I don't feel like working right now. So there's a lot of things that are shifting personally, but also look at how it's shifting in society. Look at all the institutions that have gone through major upheavals, political, religious, financial, social, corporate. You know, all of our institutions that we thought were, you know, fairly well established are now being completely, you know, torn apart and rebuilt. And then take it out further. Look at the earth, you know, look at the number of massive earth changes. I'm not even talking about, you know, climate issues. I'm just talking about things that are, you know, not disputed. Um, if you also want to take it further than that, look at the cosmic things. Look at the Schumann resonance. And the Schumann resonance is the band of energy that surrounds earth that's around, you know, you know, several hundred miles above us, but it's normally uh, calibrated at 7.83 hertz. Over the last two years, we've had spikes of six and 8,000 hertz. So you know that if the energy of the outer part of the planet is changing, you know that it's going to be impacting us. I mean, look what the moon does for tides. Look how people react to a solar flare. People can feel the energy shift. Earth is changing. And so I do believe that we need to be prepared for it. So I was asked to write this book, and I absolutely 
did not want to do it. I absolutely ignored him. And two years later, through another channel, came through, why aren't you writing this book? Well, I, you know, how would he know if I was writing a book or not? So I finally had to write the book. And um, I basically put in all the information that I've been giving. And so it's a way to be able to provide guidance to individuals who perhaps are waking up, who have their own, you know, spiritual experiences. They're seeing ghosts. They have an interest in channeling. They have an interest in divine beings, whatever you have an interest in. You're going to find that there are a lot of people who are changing the way that they look at themselves and the way that they look at the world. So that's what's happening right now. And, and that's why I wrote the book. And, and so, as you said, you know, you were you were asked to write the book. Um, yeah. Why do you think that it was that you could help, you know, with sharing this message that is going to be something that is it's going to be hard for, for humankind to accept? I mean, as you said, you know, it's a novel, but that it's 99 percent real. It seems like you did feel that there was a need to distance yourself a little bit from the story in order to make it palpable for people. Yeah, it's not so much I distance it. It was it was more written as a fictional narrative because I thought it would be more accepted. Um, I thought that it would be easier to read if it was two characters that were not me. But um, there's an awful lot of the people that I know. The names have been changed because legal, I had to do that. Sure. But uh, I was asked to write it because, and I said, well, why me? You know, why pick on me to do this? I did not want to do it. He said, because you understand fear. And then I realized my whole life I had been exposed to things that were frightening. You know, I was raised in a haunted house. It was, um, you know, it was a, a split-level home in the suburbs. But there were horrible things that happened there, horrible. And, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and felt like I had a pillow over me suffocating me or I had... My covers were torn down to the bottom of my feet and horrible hands were on me. And, you know, there'd be somebody standing in front of me as I was showering. So I was terrified of that. And all sorts of horrible things started happening that had to do with, you know, ETs. I would see something and um, I hated it. So I absolutely wanted to have nothing to do with it. And so I was asked to write it from the perspective of, there are going to be people who are afraid. You are no longer afraid. Go back to what it was like and then help people understand through education, through, through your own passion, that, you know, um, we're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. And someone who's gone through all the stages of fear to come to the other side, they thought had some credibility. So that's how I was asked to do it. And and is I mean this this might be uh, something that we'll we'll find out in due time as we start to accept more of this and as we have more contact. But is there a an understanding on their part of what it means to be human? Do they do they have a full understanding of what it is? You know, you said that they know that you've dealt with fear, but do they understand what that fear is and and how hard it was for you to overcome that? It's a fabulous question. So what I'm finding out is that they don't understand emotion. They, and with, you know, the whole concept of living multiple lifetimes in multiple places, 
know, there was, I'm sure most of them probably did come down to earth for a while and then ended up someplace else. But they don't understand the concept of um, emotional um, swings from happy to sadness because it's something that they gave up. A lot of them did. And so, um, you know, if for some reason, you know, you do have the ability to be able to connect with them, you're going to find they want to find out about you as much as you want to find out about them. So for them, there's there's the learning curve of, of what it is to be human. And for us, it's the learning curve of what it means to be beyond human. So we, we do have a lot to, to, to share with each other. We do. You know, there's so much that wonderful things that could happen if we just understood that we probably come from the same source, whatever we believe that to be. You know, we just happen to have a slightly different appearance than most of the beings that I've seen. And I used to wake up, I haven't for the past year or so, but I used to wake up every single morning seeing a different being, every single morning for probably about 18 months. As I was waking up, there would be another being, there would be something that looked like it was a humanoid, but it would be from inches from me, just looking at me. And some of them, it was like they were trying to study me, like I was a science project. And not one of them looked like they would want to hurt me. And so what was interesting is that some of the ones that I saw, like I, I remember clearly seeing one that was pure white with these most amazing eyes. And later on in the day, an intuitive said, there's somebody next to you who is all white and described perfectly the one that I had seen in the morning. So others can see them too, you know, but again, it's how much you want to. You know, if you, if you don't want to, if you're afraid of this, if you, you know, don't believe that anyone should connect with beings that are not human, any number of reasons, you won't see them. You know, we see what we want to see. We hear what we want to hear and we believe what we want to believe. So if your belief system is there is nothing outside of Earth, then I guarantee you will never see them even if they were in front of you and announced themselves to you. And and we say, you know, not from Earth. I, I, I guess there's probably some folks that are wondering if that means that they are from another physical planet. Uh, and, and we were talking before about, you know, there's different beings that may come from different places uh but do you is there a place that they are coming from that you know we could perhaps someday go to um yes there's there's actually three different categories one they are from physical places which is they're the ones that are coming in and then the craft and the ships that are being photographed that are doing these incredible maneuvers so they are physical, and they are from a physical location. And then there are some that are more interdimensional. And so if you take the concept of a ghost being interdimensional, being fourth dimensional, take that same concept to, you know, other beings. And so there are many, many beings who are actually um, uh, vibrate at a higher level than we do. And so they can 
come down and make contact with us really whenever they choose. And then there are those who, as you mentioned, perhaps come from um, a future time period. And there are many that are apparently coming back um, and, you know, they're trying to help, but I don't think a lot of people really believe them because we're so trained that this doesn't happen. Well, yeah, and that's that's the hardest part is, you know, you can you can tell this story, you can share this information, but if, unless people are ready to believe it, you know, they're not going to they're not going to. They're they're going to shut it down. They're going they're going to turn away from it. They're going to say that oh, there's no way this is real or uh and and that's that's you know, I'm not ready to accept myself that these things are necessarily extraterrestrial creatures, but I certainly believe that there's something happening and that people are having these experiences and that there has to be a reason behind that. Uh, one of the things that I have been looking into over the last year or so is the idea that all this type of phenomena is interconnected with each other, that ghosts and, you know, extraterrestrials are all tied in. They're all coming from the same kind of source energy so to speak and do you feel like that could be a, a possibility that maybe you know not i know that you said some of the ghosts that you've dealt with are these trapped spirits that feel like they can't move on that they don't deserve to move on but could some of them also just be a different representation of this intelligence trying to tell us something oh very definitely and i know that um and i know you've had some topics about people who have an awareness of um, they call them windows. I call them portals. But, yeah, it very definitely you can see that there is a, um, an ability to be able to move from one level of awareness to another one. And there's also a lot of belief systems that uh, some of the things that, you know, the cryptids and some of the Sasquatches and the other, that they are just, you know, interdimensional beings. And that's why they've never, ever found a carcass. You know, that, so there's a whole lot of reasons. I mean, look at Skinwalker Ranch. My gosh, there's, there's nothing human about what's out there. So, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but I, do, I do believe it. I think that we we don't have enough of an understanding about who we are <laughs> to really start thinking about what these other uh, you know beings are. But then at the same time, that could be the answer for us to to really kind because of, you know if you look at just the way that we examine our own consciousness, uh, we are still kind of in this mindset, and I, I apologize for the pun there, but we're stuck in this this belief that it is solely existing within us, even when there's oh, all of these signs yeah. that that that's not the case. And you know what I think is fascinating? I went to a conference in London a couple of years ago that was uh, dedicated to consciousness. And scientists have no idea where consciousness is. They have no idea where the mind is. They know where the brain is. But they have no idea where the mind is. Two possibilities. One possibility is that there's a, a fractal of the mind in every cell in our body. And so it's not one location because it's they have not found it in the brain, but there's a possibility. There's a part of the mind is, so we're like our own hive mentality. The other possibility is that the mind is located actually outside of us. And so there's a universal consciousness that we all tap into. That would explain telepathy. It explained why two people would come up with the same outrageous 
idea that wins the Nobel Prize at the same time in different parts of the world. But scientists say that we have no idea where the mind is. We don't, we don't even know how to look for it because when we have looked for it, we've never been able to find it. So there's so much, we don't know what's going on with our own body. How could we possibly know what's going on the other side of the universe? Yeah, it's for for us to start absorbing some of this idea, some of these concepts, uh, it, you know, it would have to shift where we are going as a as a species and, and where we're going as societies and where we're going as, you know, just citizens of this earth. And we kind of I don't think we want to deviate from the current course that we're on. I think that people are are happy to be insulated in the fact that we only have to worry about what's going on in this world. We have enough problems with that. If we start going down this path, we have to reevaluate everything. And and I think yeah. that that's what we're not. It's it's not that we're. It's not that we don't want to go to where it's going to take us. It's that we don't want to have to go through the process that we need to to get there. That's terrifying because the biggest unknown that we have to face is ourself. And when we look at our own belief system and then we look at the things that we believe, why do we believe certain things? Well, maybe it's because our parents did. Well, do you believe that? Well, I never thought about it, but my parents believe it. Or society says I'm supposed to believe it. When you start looking at what do you actually believe, that's terrifying. Because if you believe something that is different, than the norm, you could be shunned. You could be ridiculed. Yeah. That, that is probably the biggest issue that we probably should face. <clears throat> yeah. And this is the, you know, this time of year is a little bit different because people start to, you know, the, 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 the holidays make them feel a little bit different where they start to look toward, you know, goodwill toward men. And, and, and I mean that by, you know, I mean everybody sure. under that, under that guys, but you know, this is the time of year when we're willing to kind of look beyond ourselves, you know, even if it's just throwing change in the red kettle, uh, even if it's buying a gift for somebody else that's in need or, or donating something for them that's in need. And it's something that a month from now, it just immediately goes away. Are we just not built for where it is that we need to go? Are we just not capable of breaking ourselves out of this individualistic mentality? I think we have a herd mentality. And I think that the one thing that we crave more than anything is acceptance and universality and not breaking too far out of the norm. And so, you know, we all go to the social media site. We all go to this movie. We all go to this restaurant because peer pressure is probably one of the strongest motivators that we have. So I think that if somebody, you know, somebody big in Hollywood comes out, and talks about things that previously were taboo, I think that's going to break things wide open. Yeah, but we have some of that happening, though. I mean, it, for, I mean, all right, we can go back to Shirley MacLaine, and maybe that was at a time when people weren't ready to hear about these things. But, I mean, now we have, well, you know, I guess uh, as, as I'm talking about it, I can talk myself out of it, too, because now you look at somebody like, 
you know, Demi Lovato, who is out there doing a show now where she's looking for UFOs and aliens and, and talking with people who've had experiences. And then people immediately look at her problems that she's had with substance abuse and depression and all of that. And they say, well, she's just, you know, in the, the wrong mindset. Uh, it's almost like the discrediting and the, the disinformation is already there before the person even tries to, to go forward with it. But we, we do have, there are, you know, some people that are pushing for it as you mentioned you know it's now being pushed in congress uh sure. you know there's there's musicians that have pushed for it there's there are sure, some look at tom DeLong. yeah i mean he's he's certainly he's, put he's put his money where his mouth is too he has he has but then you also have people and you also have people on the other side like dr stephen greer who is an emergency room physician who gave up his career because he believed in this so much and, you know, he is very passionate about trying to get people to realize that they're coming in peace. And I think the biggest fear, some of the people who follow the, that peace direction, is that, you know, we're going to blow somebody out of the sky who's coming in peace. So, and, and, and how much I hope that doesn't happen. Well, and, and how much of that is, you know, as we talked about before, built in fear and built in misinformation and built in misrepresentation uh, where, you know, we, we were, if you think about it, I know I grew up in the, in the, in the 80s toward the end of the Cold War. So it was a little bit different by the time I was around. But if you look at people that grew up in the earlier part of the Cold War, you know, they, they couldn't befriend a Russian person that came to this country. You know, they automatically no, looked at them as, a, and, and and before that, the same thing happened with anybody who was who was German or Japanese. You know that there was there was already this belief that they were somehow your enemy, even though they might have been trying to escape those things. Uh, you know, they were coming right. here to avoid those problems, but there was there was already that built-in notion of this is somebody that you should be afraid of and not not associate with. And the same thing's already happening with these with these extraterrestrial beings. So what I think is really interesting is way that we are being manipulated through fear. If you think about um, like Homeland Security, a few years ago, we had the fear index that it was, this is, you know, code red today, it's code orange today. Um, there's so many ways that we're being manipulated into being more passive. And, you know, I I can see where there's, so many fears that are coming up that, I mean, look what's going on with the vaccine. People are terrified of the vaccine. Well, now because we've, we have been trained to be afraid of things. And, and, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of uh, mind, you know, melding going on that may not be positive. The, the other part of it too, is that we, we can now ignore not that we should, but it's become it's become a common thing where people can ignore facts that are right in their face if they don't like what those facts suggest. And I love know, that. Yes, we see these signs yes. all around us. Of even if you don't want to go so far as to believe in extraterrestrials, you got to believe that there's a, a shift happening around us. But yet, people just won't accept that possibility. And. I don't know that maybe they see, oh, well, for me, you know, I know I'm going through this thing. But no, look at it from a broader perspective. Aren't your friends and relatives going through weird things right now? Aren't relationships changing? 
you know, people who perhaps uh, used to follow one pattern of thinking and now are changing, they're changing jobs into more radical things. There's a lot going on. And it's, yes, it's with individuals, but it's also within the greater society. It's with all of Earth. It's, there's a lot of change that's going on all over the planet. I mean, I work at this radio station, you know, during the the week and, uh, you know, here during the during the day. And it's funny because over the last couple of years, you'll you know, if something goes wrong and it's it's, it's a radio station, there's always technical issues that will pop up that you you try to fix on the spot and, and keep on going. And when things like that happen, it used to be. Before that, people would say, oh, you know, we, we need to get this computer diagnosed or we, we need to look into this equipment or that equipment. And these days, if something goes wrong, people will just say, oh, yo, well, it's mercury retrograde. That stuff's going to happen. And five uh -huh. years ago, these people wouldn't have even known what mer mercury retrograde meant. But now they know that yeah. it can be an explanation for some of these problems. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, isn't it kind of nice to have that kind of an explanation? At least you've got something you can blame it on. Well, it saves you, for, saves you a lot of money in having to buy new equipment, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet there is. I bet there is. Well, I'd be curious to hear if any of uh, your listeners have had their own experiences. If anybody's had an experience with, you know, seeing a UFO or you had a, somebody who stopped in their living room to talk to them that was not human. Because I'm hearing from an awful lot of people. I mean, tell you, since I put the book out, I'm hearing from people from all over saying, thank God there's somebody who is saying what I'm saying. I couldn't do it. I was too afraid. I didn't want people to think that I was crazy because, you know, I saw a UFO. And, and so I'm telling people, you're not crazy. Not at all. And if anybody does want to call in and share, 508-996-0500 is the number. Uh, but also, you know, as you said, people are coming to you and saying that they've had these experiences. What I've noticed about that and in taking calls on this show and in talking to people on my other like what I've noticed is that the the fear of coming forward with those situations is starting to wane. Uh, you know, the, they might yeah. still be afraid of the situation itself. But in terms of actually sharing it with other people and letting people know that it happened to them, you know, even in, in, in the 90s, uh, I can remember like this was, you know, you'd hear somebody on, on Coast to Coast with Art Bell and they would want to like disguise their voice and, and use a fake name and all of that uh, just because there was the outside chance somebody from work might be listening. And we're getting away from that now where it's actually it can be water cooler talk. Somebody might have an experience and go in and tell their coworkers the next day and they're not judged for it. Oh, don't you think that's refreshing? I do. Well, I, I think the, the, the funny thing is about it. Let me just soapbox here a little bit is that the person that's coming in and sharing that experience could still be making it up. They could still be, uh, you know, misinterpreting something that happened. They could just be delusional and, and, and in need of mental assistance, like all of the same things that people try to, uh, rationalize away these experiences that were previously reported, all those possibilities still exist. But we're starting That's to, op true. but we're opening up the idea that it, it could also be the truth. And it, it doesn't matter where you fall and what you think about those different, at least you're listening. And yeah. you're not going to be able to know for sure or at least know how you feel about it unless you're listening. And that automatic dismissal of those stories are not are not there anymore. Where it's like, ah, I don't 
don't want to hear that because, you know, that stuff's not real. People are at least like, oh, tell me about that. And then you'll tell them and they say, well, I don't know if I believe all that stuff. But at least they're listening and that's going to open up their mind to that possibility. Well, look at the um, the resurgence of all, like, the Paracons and the, um, you know, you know, broadcasts like yours. You know, it's, you know, not only are you uh, allowing people having a forum to be able to share their things, but you're also educating people and taking away the fear of talking about it. So whether you're talking about... You know, something, at, you know, out in Roswell every year, you're talking about all of the uh, the pair cons that are held Hawaii, other places. Um, you're making it more um, more known to the general public. And I think there's a benefit in that. There was a time, you know, when we started this show, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it'll be 16 years next month. When we started this, there was only a, a handful of paranormal podcasts out there. Uh, I think there was maybe like four or five. And now there's thousands, if if not tens of thousands. Uh, now, part of that is because, you know, podcasting has become so much simpler and easier and accessible to people. And there's more people out there looking to consume that content. But also, it, it I think it shows that there was always a desire to talk about these topics that just wasn't the 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 airtime for it and, and there was you know people that felt like it was i'll be honest with you it's been a it was a tough sell here in the early days uh you I'm know in sure. in the you know the the staff here was supportive of the idea but then it was like well can we get the audience to keep tuning in and we had a good core audience but would we win new people over i mean it was it was a a hard road to hoe and then it's just been as we've gone along, and I just think we came along at the right time. I don't think it was us that had something to do with it, but it was just a matter of people became more comfortable with it, and as they became more comfortable with it, it didn't matter if they believed it. They still wanted to hear about it, and that's that's the biggest key is that they're, they're entertaining the story, and if you're entertaining the story, then the facts are going to sneak into you while you're listening to the story. Well, whatever was the reason that, you know, shows like yours started coming around, I could not be happier. I mean, I know that when I first got into natural medicine 20 years ago, um, my background was in medical, you know, work. And uh, so when I shifted into natural medicine, um, it was not it was not seen as being credible, you know. Why would you do something, you know, why would you do intuitive work or Reiki or something like that? Why don't you just take a pill? So, no, um, I, I understand completely, 100%. That's why I said I'm, I'm really, there's parts of what's going on with this shift that I could not be happier. Well, you brought up Reiki. I mean, even that has seen a shift where, you know, when I first started hearing about it, it was you, you know, you might have been in the back of a nail salon or, you know, over here at the beauty salon, they have a room where they do it. And maybe you had to rent your own space somewhere. And, and it wasn't it wasn't really something that was kind of part of the medical community. Now there's people there's Reiki practitioners that are working in medical facilities and it's become kind of like what acupuncture was you know 30 years ago where it was considered right. to be an out there thing but now you can walk into your local healthcare provider and acupuncture is one of the things that they might offer i know and the cleveland clinic and i'm in ohio cleveland clinic is probably at the forefront of using reiki 
for everybody. And when I walked in there a year or so ago, first thing you saw was, we're doing free Reiki for everybody today. Just sign up for your time. You know, so just like having somebody who is in the forefront of the music industry, getting it better known, you know, somebody like the Cleveland Clinic is getting holistic uh, medicine better known. And, and, you know, and my, my, I mean, I didn't always believe in everything that was holistic and new agey and all of that. But my outlook on it was always like, well, if it helps somebody, it helps somebody. It doesn't matter, you know, what the methodology is. If it works for them, then then let it happen. You know, just why stand in the way of somebody feeling better? And, and I think the medical and, community took it at that same idea, but then started to realize once they saw it in action, they said, okay, there really is something to this. And how can we monetize it? Of course. Ooh. Yeah. We make money off it. If people are willing to pay for it when there's no insurance, hmm, how do we get in on that? Yeah, and then yep. yeah, the, the the other part of that too is the more of this stuff that you have, the less it keeps people dependent on the the drugs and and the procedures that they're always constantly going back to you for. So you've got to make that up. So it's not just the fact that you can charge them for the service. It's the fact that when they don't need all that other stuff you're providing them, you're still maintaining some level of income from that person. Yeah. Yeah, Big Pharma doesn't actually like us very much. Well, I mean, they've they've had their shot and they've done a lot of things wrong. They've done a lot of things well, too. But, you know, there's they've built up a, a, a reason to have this level of distrust. And that's I think that level of distrust is what's helping to foster people looking into more of these alternative ideas. It, it's not just the fact that it's it's the shift and that shift in consciousness that's happening. I think a good part of it too is that we're just, we're evolving past everything that we've been doing the same way that we've been doing it. So, you know, I, I and I know that that sounds like it's the same thing, but uh, I don't feel that it, that it necessarily has to be. That we, we, can, no, we can move forward beyond the way that things have always been done without having to say we're taking that leap of going all the way forward into where we need to be. You can do it responsibly in baby steps. I agree. You know, like I said, it goes back to the first thing we talked about was discernment. You know, you don't have to take this massive leap forward. You can take baby steps and evaluate and a couple more baby steps, you know, and then gradually everybody will kind of fall into a pattern that works for them. So just the big question that we have and just the final, you know, three minutes here that we have, the big question is if we if we take those baby steps and we do have to come into it slowly, there's there's no deadline on this, really. Uh, I mean, obviously, we could destroy the planet. But aside from that, like, really, we can move at our own pace for this. There, there's there's no deadline on us evolving. There is no deadline. However, um, we are going to be moving in that direction. So you can just figure out if this is something that works for you. You know, if it doesn't work for you, um, you're probably not going to move in the same direction that friends and family may. Hmm. Well, that's a good way to look at it, too. You want to you want to be on pace with with those that you want to evolve with. Uh, just right. in, in the in the final few moments here, so we we talked about the book, uh, and again, the title of the book is "Arrival of the Light Beings: How to Prepare for the Shift and Contact with Extraterrestrials." How can people get the book, and how can they reach out to you? Uh, you can contact me, Linda at lindahaley dot net. Haley is H A L E Y. Uh, the book is everywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, eBay. Um, 
Yeah, and if you're interested in sharing any of your own stories, I would love to talk to you. So, yeah, and if this is something that maybe you were afraid to talk to somebody because you thought you might be seen as being crazy, I can just promise you, you are not. I like to think that the people who are having these experiences are the way showers, the web, the edge walkers, the ones that are showing the others. And Absolutely. so I see you as being ahead of the curve. Of course, when people come to me and they say things like, well, you're probably going to think I'm crazy when I tell you this. I always say, well, you might be crazy, but that doesn't mean that your experience isn't real. You know? There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah. And no, one, doesn't, go. one doesn't have to tie into the other. All right, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. And, and certainly keep us up to date with the, uh, with the information and the messages that you're getting and, and let us know all that we need to know. I will do that. Thanks so much, Tim. Thank you. Have a great night and happy holidays. You too. Bye-bye. And everybody else out there, thank you all for tuning in and joining us tonight. What a great episode, a great discussion with Linda. And as you've, you know, you've, you've listened to the show in the past, you know that um, things are really, really interesting when we can bring on guests like that that can share their own experiences, their own information and what they have to share with us. Uh, and of course, if you've never heard our show before, you can go back and check out all of our past podcasts. They're all free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, just search Spooky South Coast and you will find it. You know, maybe you're uh, getting yourself a new uh, device for the holidays, you know, maybe for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. You're getting a new phone or a new laptop and you're looking for something to listen to. Go back and listen because we've got over 600 episodes uh, there for you to listen to. And this one will be added in in just a bit because I like to upload it before I leave now because that way there you have it ready for you and you're ready to listen to it again. So go back and check those out. And if you ever have any questions, thoughts, comments, guest suggestions, uh, stories to share, experiences to share, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com is the way to reach us. And uh, we will be happy to uh, you know get back to you, whether it be if you are suggesting a guest or just sharing an experience and you want us to discuss it on the air. You know We're happy to, uh, to be that voice for you. We've been doing it for just about 16 years now and probably be doing it for at least another 16 going forward. And we're always here for you if you have any paranormal issues that you want to discuss. Until next time, stay spooktacular.